Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking, can-am soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd, how are you doing, buddy? Good, Jeremy. How about yourself? Oh, real good. Really well, good. Ladies and gentlemen, um, for the 13th time, we've started the show without you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not why we do the show, right? Yeah. Welcome to the middle of the conversation, people. <laughs> that's that's true. We were it's uh, just like eavesdropping. Now you'll never know the start of the story. No, but we caught ourselves. <laughs> we caught ourselves mid conversation. We're like, we should be actually having the recorder going right now. Usually, if there's any, uh, what, what do they call housekeeping? We got to take care of. We do that. You know, like oh, mm-hmm. you know, a little personal chat. How's it going? You know, anything like like I got a jet a little bit early today. And then we just got right into the podcast without record, without recording, without knowing it. <laughs> I but, tell you, uh, this reminds me of a radio show I used to listen to uh, that no longer exists. But one of the one my favorite episode of all time was like our show, completely about nothing, and they started it almost like this. But they opened the show; they're just all busting out laughing, just crying in laughter about a story somebody told right before they went on air and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll share it with you. We'll, you know, later, you know, in a minute before the break. And then they go to break after the break, they'll share it. (laughs) The whole show goes by and the whole show is about a story. They're not going to tell you, but they're telling you they're going to tell you. It was hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. That's like the ultimate bait. Hey, (laughs) that's funny. Yeah. Well, we were in a, in a conversation about uh, GoPros, kind of where it started, and televisions and all this stuff, and then talking about making YouTube videos. Um, and we're just, you know, we're talking about the point where go using a GoPro, you're always going to have that fisheye look. But there are some YouTube channels that only use GoPros, and they're wildly successful. And, and it seems like, you know, you got some channels that use the the new GoPro nine with the stupid media package on it. Yep. And they look like a normal camera almost. Yeah. Another channel using the exact same camera. It looks fish eyed. And then they try to use that stupid three hundred and sixty degree circle yeah. feature. Yeah. And um Andrew and Jesse, I'm talking to you. Uh I don't know them. <clears throat> Andrew Camarada and his friend Jesse Mueller. Oh, okay. Uh, instead of using it as a transition or a, uh, a se- you know, just for a second focal point, yeah, like it's intended. Oh no, you get like three minutes of just nauseating, <laughs> uh, circle pattern and fisheye at the same time. You're like, yeah, oh, God, stop, please. Yeah, I remember watching a video with Casey Neistat talking about B-roll, right? Which is essentially is all that stuff's for. And same thing with, like, he did a video, like, nobody cares about your drone footage. And as, as soon as you get a drone, like, I remember when I got my, my DJI Phantom 4 was my first drone. And all I did was, like, fly around and take footage and footage. It's like, wow. And it, it's tempting just to share all these videos, but it's true. So? 
like the first, the very first drone footage to ever be put up on YouTube was like, oh wow, that's crazy. You can get a camera in the sky. But after that, you know, you got to use it appropriately. You know, if you're, if you're kind of transitioning from one part of the video to another, yeah, maybe a little like three second drone clip or, you know, say if you're to give context, if you're working in an old barn somewhere, maybe you have a quick shot, you know, going out from the barn to the landscape. So you can say, oh, cool. He's out in the country. And that's the only thing those things are really good for, you know? Yeah. Um, same thing with those, all those special weird GoPro things. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of bicycle channels I watch and they'll use like the 360 cameras and I'm still so curious about them, but I don't think I'm at the point where I'd buy them yet, but it's crazy because they can have them on that stick and then the technology will cancel out the stick. So it looks like there's nothing holding this camera yeah. and then post-production, you can decide what you want footage of. So you could, you know, film in front for a while and then film at the back and do this. And it's just so weird, but it still has that weird look. Mm -hmm. But the one thing I would say is, you know, the, the opposite end of the spectrum is people that get like really caught up in air quote cinematic footage, right? Like they get the super shallow depth of field. They shoot at 24 frames a second because that's more cinematic. And I really am interested in that because that kind of goes back more to photography for me, right? It's a lot more technical. At the same time, it's very, very easy. Um, to set up and do all that stuff. But I've noticed the channels that, that I enjoy that are successful that use GoPros, um, it's what they're doing and that makes it so interesting. And when you get crazy caught up in gear, it actually pulls you away from what you're actually doing. It makes it more difficult. And I know there'd be times when I want to try to be like, okay, I'm only going to do cinematic. I had this little journal where I write down ideas. And, and one idea I had years ago is only cinematic footage. And then you start doing videos and it's like, oh my goodness, this is such a chore. You know, you spend two or three days setting up cameras and, you know, it, it, it's not a long time. It's not like I'm spending an hour to get one shot. But if you spend three, four minutes to get one shot, you change some settings, you've got manual exposure and you go in there and blah, 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 blah do your shot and it's like a 30 second clip, you're drilling a hole and then you move it around, do this and that. And it's like, oh my word, this is ridiculous. Um, it gets in the way. And so sometimes I think the place for GoPros is that, hey, I can turn this on and talk. But except the truth and the reality of, of GoPros is that's not a guaranteed thing. Like, like when you turn it on, it is not, I, I'd say there's one in six times that it's that it will not turn on and it will not record. <laughs> if GoPros didn't have the technical bugs that they have, that they're plagued with, I would probably use GoPros all the time because they're just so easy. They're so convenient. But I've got two, uh, two or three. Uh, one was given to me. One's a Chineseium one. Yep. And one's a GoPro. I got it in a state sale because they didn't know what it was. The Chineseium one is stupid to understand because it's all in Chinese, but it's so much, it's still easier to use than the GoPro. Hmm. And here's why. Every time you go to use it, the app hasn't forgotten who you are. Yeah. And you don't have to, you know, worry about the three hours of trying to figure out GoPro settings and then save it all only to have the next time you use the camera or just change your battery, you know, because that never happens in yeah, real life. Yeah. That You run out of battery, you have to change it. And then GoPro um, cancels out every everything that you've done 
all the settings you made. You go, oh no, we lost battery, so we went back to factory defaults. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't um, know how many times that thing has almost embedded itself in sheetrock. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and so I, I actually, I don't know if I saved this or not. I used to save weird footage that came out of GoPros. And like, there's one time when I was building a mezzanine and I was doing a little bit, a little shot and literally it looked like the, you know, the old LCD screens, the, just the two tone ones. If you ever stepped on them, it looked like water in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had that on my screen, but it moved around. And that, like in the file, and it recorded the whole thing. It was like a 10 or 15 minute thing I was doing up there. And it was like this bubble of black ink where it, I'd say at the most I had 30% of the screen. And I'm like, what is this? It looks like there's a demon inside this camera. You know, like, why does this technology do this today? Like, there's no reason for it. You know, talking about other cameras before we started the, the recording, you know, the Canon G7X Mark II was such a great camera and you could just put it to movie mode and you hit record and it will record. And I like the audio. It's good audio. One of my favorite audios for something super simple. And that makes making videos easy because there's nothing in the way. You know, the the, the fewer barriers you have, the more likely you are to do it. And man, that thing worked flawlessly. Every time it wouldn't corrupt files, it would record. The GoPros, like... You, you spend almost as much for a GoPro as you do for a decent entry-level, like, point-and-shoot vlogging camera. But if I'm skiing, say if we're skiing, and I want to, you know, take a bunch of footage of runs and stuff, and I only have one battery for my GoPro, so I've got to be selective. It's like, okay, we're going to record this run, or I'll do this one of this kid, and the next run I'll record the other kid. And in a day of skiing, I probably have to power it down, like, by pulling out the battery. Because it doesn't matter how many times I press the power button, nothing happens. And with just one battery, I can't leave it on while I'm going up the chairlift. Like I want to, you know, turn it on, take my video, turn it off. But that is not how GoPros work. And I've had, I don't know, I've probably owned five or six, seven over the years. Right now I have two. But man, they are just the most unreliable thing on earth. And the thing that pisses me off is every year they come up with a new stabilization. Like what's going to be next year? Hyper, zaptastic, super smooth like come on you've got really good stabilized footage now we get it now why don't you make it so that we can actually use that without a headache you know actually get your stabilized footage off your stupid camera with the off the shelf yeah programs that most people use because your software is not user friendly it doesn't do what people want it to do so they don't use it yeah most people don't use it. In fact, there is a small company out there that people are starting to use. Uh, not sure how you pronounce it. I pronounce it Kinemaster. It's K-I-N-E Master, all one word. Hmm. And it's just for GoPro stuff, uh, and it's only for Apple. Huh, I'm gonna look into that Be- because that's <clears throat> the other thing. Is like when I do when I film anything with GoPro, even if it's just 1080. When I bring that, like I do all my editing in, in Final Cut Pro, when I bring GoPro footage in, uh, the software has to, it takes 10 times longer to render that out so that I can edit it. And it takes, say you have a, I don't know, I'm going to go guessing here, a 31 megabyte file, right? Yeah. Pretty big video. 
you take it on the GoPro into another program like Adobe or GarageBand or whatever. Now you got almost a gigabyte. You're like, how? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And, um, you know, like from a camera, like a Sony or a Canon, and I I don't shoot 4K. I just don't because I don't have a camera that does it without cropping. Uh, and I don't see need for it yet, although I think that need is, I think it's going to be coming sooner than later. But I can take the 1080 footage from a Canon or my Sony ZV-1, put it in my editing thing, and in about three seconds, yep, it all pops up. I've got all the audio wavelengths there, so you can kind of, all the information is there. And I can go and edit that real time. Like if I know there's a spot, okay, I want to take this, you know, if I'm pointing the camera at myself and then I'm turning it around, pointing it, and there's like a, you know, two seconds, I can just go bloop, bloop, delete, and then go back to that and play it and see exactly what that is. Like basically real-time editing. But with a GoPro, not like that. If I delete two seconds and then go to right before where I made that cut, go to play it, it's got to think about it, got to think about it, got to think about it, and then it'll start playing. It's just like, come on. What makes you think you're so special? I don't know. I, I think GoPro could be, they could be dominating right now. But the fact is, you know, they have a niche and they have a, str a hold on the niche because you can put those cameras anywhere. But, you know, so many people will talk about GoPros like like Peter McKinnon or, or Casey Neistat. And it's like, yes, they're great for what they are. But, man, I hate to have to use them. But when I do, it's still one of the best, like the best option there is, you know. But and then, you know, I don't know. DJI Osmo came out with their little action camera, whatever. Or DJI, whatever. What's that, the Osmo? Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, but I don't know. And then I'm like, I don't want to buy another one, you know, and it's, uh, I don't know. But, you know, it's funny we're having this conversation because just this week I was looking at the prices of uh, GoPro Hero 9s because I'm like, dude, do I get a new one? Do I get it? Because if I could have a GoPro that worked, and then I'm always like, maybe it's just my my version of the the firmware that I have. So I check, nope, my camera is fully up to date and it still just works like, ugh. You know, it's like having a car that the brakes are only going to work, you know, five out of six times. So just so you know, you know, if you're going to, if you want to stop, you go to press the brakes, there's nothing there. Well, now you're going to have to put it in the first gear and then pull the emergency brake and then swerve into the ditch. <laughs> That's what it's like to use a GoPro. It's not like just driving from A to B. Okay, I'm going to film a little movie here and put it up on YouTube. No, 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 no. It's way more complicated than that. Oh, well. I don't know. With um, DJIs, I mean, they still have probably the best drone out there. Yeah. So, you know, they've got the camera technology. They've got the... Uh, stabilization technology down pat mm -hmm. well there's you know, if i wanted a mobile camera gopro-esque i might just go to dji instead simply because i've had such a bad experience with gopro yeah yeah me too and consistently and i'm always like i look at the new gopro and it's a little bigger and i don't have to have the little cage because the one i'm using right now is a seven and like the one thing I'll say is I, I don't mind the audio on the GoPro for like building footage. Um, it's actually pretty good, like without any type of physical wind protection. It can be windy and the GoPro does a fairly decent job of, of keeping you audible. Like when I'm skiing really fast down a hill, I'm like, 
it's, it's not that bad. Like if I was doing this with one of my Canon cameras without any, you know, a dead cat or a windscreen on it, it would sound horrible. But um, yeah, and, and that's the reason I can't. I'm like, ah, man. I, and a lot of times I'll go like, I should just grab the GoPro and film this. And I'm like, no, it's the GoPro. Of course I can't do that. It doesn't work. <laughs> it's so dumb. Yeah. yeah. One thing I will say, the GoPro I got from a, an estate sale was owned by a surgeon before he passed away. Ooh. <laughs> and he videotaped some of his surgeries. Do you get those that footage? Yes. It was in the camera when I got it. And I'm like, ooh. That's disgusting. Ooh. Okay, watch the next one. <laughs> now I'm hooked. Dodd, Dodd, you realize this. Okay, listen up here. This is your chance to break through on YouTube. Oh, God, no. You'd be demonetized before you were ever monetized. No, no. They would ban you. For, <laughs> ed for educational purposes only. And then, a big old warning this content is very graphic. But if you'd like to learn how to do surgeries at home, and then you could just do your own voiceover and try and, you know, figure out what they're actually doing. <laughs> oh, I uh, I don't know if this is true because I, I do not speak French, right? There's a child in the nine, eight to ten year old range, right? There's two, actually. They're related somehow. Uh, and they had a... They're in France or some other country in Europe, but they're French people, right? Yeah. It's a French family, and the kids do YouTube. It's like kid vlogging, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're wildly popular in their part of Europe, again, with French-speaking people. Apparently, YouTube found out that the kids are just vilely cursing in these videos. Really? <laughs> yes. And according to their terms of service, that's that's you a non-issue. <laughs> no, you, you can. Maybe maybe they don't like kids to do it, but in the terms oh, no. of service, kids can't do even kids can't do things that aren't kid friendly. Uh, 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 the little millionaire brat got his YouTube channel deleted. It's back, but it, they did delete it because he did some things that aren't kid friendly, allegedly. Mm-hmm. According to YouTube, uh, they're not kid-friendly. Here's what he was doing. He was helping his mom cook, and his mm -hmm. mom was teaching him how to chop vegetables. So it was a little kid with a knife. Oh, yeah, yeah. But these little French uh, kids were just, I mean, dropping F-bombs and, you know, wow. telling horrifically dirty jokes. and. Huh, that's crazy. Yeah, and they, I think the reason they got in trouble is you you now have to say, is this yeah. video targeted towards kids or is it not? Is there yeah. this? Is there not? And they were lying. Uh, so. Yeah. Because I've looked at it, you know, everybody wonders that uh, I watched some videos from like, it's called the video creators. It's actually channeled by YouTube. And they go through a lot of stuff like one video, they'll have like three minute videos. It's like, uh, am I allowed to swear on my YouTube videos? And then they'll go through it and say, you know what? Not going to be offensive. And even now, uh, if you have swears in the title of your video, they won't derate it or downgrade it or demonetize or promote it less than if you didn't, which, which to me is kind of pathetic. But that's one of the things I said, nope, uh, we don't care as long as it's not violent language. Like if not, you're going to, you know, threaten somebody or do anything like that. You can drop F-bombs all you want, any swear word of your choice, and YouTube will not take any exception to it whatsoever. But 
I was showing how sharp one of my knives was in a video, and I was shaving with it, my arm hair, and it was demonetized. And so I, you can go for an appeal, and I think it's just like a, the first one's just a computer runs through it, and then it said, nope, no. And then I actually got a person at YouTube to look at it, and uh, obviously you don't know the name. It's not like an email, but it's a process. You can go through it, and you know I fill out this form online, say this shouldn't be demonetized. There's nothing bad here. It's how to make a knife. And they said, at the end of the video, you are shaving your arm hair with it. And it's too close of a representation to self-harm <laughs> to somebody cutting their wrists or whatever. And so it's demonetized. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm literally just showing edge sharpness. This is a very common thing. There's a lot of videos on YouTube that are monetized that do this. No, sorry, we've made our decision. That's funny. So you, you can yeah, swear, they, uh, you can curse like a sailor. But if I just show you well, how sharp my knife is... You can do whatever you want, even if they're, until they say you can't, even if it's in the terms of service that it doesn't violate the terms of service, whatever you're doing, if they say you're doing it yeah, and it's wrong, what's your recourse? You don't have any. No. And they the are deleting time. all kinds of, you know, like gun related, knife related um, videos that do not, do not violate the terms of service as written but because of their political agenda they you know yeah. oh yeah it violates how no it just does yeah and i've seen one of those uh unedited email strings from a gun channel that no longer exists uh they were wildly popular back in you know 2009 2010 2011 uh and now you know the guy that was doing the videos <clears throat> got another job that kept him busier than the previous job, mm -hmm. you know, and he wasn't making money at that time, but come 12, 13, 14, his YouTube channel, his older videos took off, got a lot of watch time, started making money, but now he's working where he can't, you know, focus a lot of attention on YouTube. Anyway, uh, in the adpocalypse, his YouTube channel got deleted, <clears throat> and he fought. He even got a lawyer and fought it because uh, he is a lawyer. Uh, one of his friends, uh, you know, was going to fight YouTube for him for free, and they were they were just like, "Nah, nothing you can do. Our platform, yeah, you know, go shit in your hat." But man, and I. Don't just curse to be cursing. That was in the video. That was in the email string. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, really, really. Yeah. And the 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 lawyer that was fighting him was like, well, you know, uh, don't wear hats, but okay. Yeah. And basically, what it boiled down to is they can just lie, cheat, and steal, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. And see, at the same time, like. Not in the United States. There's a particular group led by a bald headed guy in Europe that's winning over there, but uh, not, in, not in the continental United yeah. States. Yeah. See, the one thing is that <clears throat> it is a privately owned company. Or, or I know, I shouldn't say, I take that back. I don't know what the business is, but at, at the one time, I mean, it's not. YouTube is YouTube. They started the platform. And 
it's such a it's such a hard thing because I'm like, okay, you can't tell anybody what to do. At the same time, say if I had a platform and somebody came into my platform and started doing something that's wildly against what I believe, I would feel like I should have the right to say no. You know, it's it's kind of like, does a business have the right to refuse service? You know what I mean? If a guy comes in there wearing only underwear into my restaurant, as a as a restaurant owner, I feel like it should be my right to say, get out. You need to put some clothes on. You can't eat here in underwear, right? And at well, the same time, when you look at these platforms, and the scary thing is these platforms get such a monopoly and they become so big, but at the same time, you know, I, I always feel like I can't be mad at YouTube because it's their deal. They well, put this together I, for me to use. I used to agree with you. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100%. And here's my, here's the reason I don't agree with all that anymore. Uh, the difference between being a privately held company and a publicly traded company. Yes, yeah. That's the difference. And there are some laws, not just in the United States, but in different countries around the world that lend credence to a particular legal theorem. And then that's why I've changed my mind. Yeah. Let's say Simple Little Life had a uh, storefront. Yeah. And it was privately held by you and Steph. You do whatever you want to with your business. If you want to just uh, serve no one but purple-skinned trannies, that's up to you. You should be able to do it. No recourse, no nothing. Uh, now, once you're publicly traded, however, yeah. now I I believe that certain civil rights and uh, have to come into play because you're publicly traded. Yeah, you are now a company of the people. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and YouTube is owned by Google, which is a publicly traded company. And, you know, you are using the intellectual property. You create nothing. You get a bunch of people, a bunch of intellectual property creators that let you post their intellectual property on your platform. Mm -hmm. That's the way it really works, whether that's what YouTube calls it or not. You have a bunch of people allowing YouTube to put their intellectual property on YouTube's platform. Yeah. That's not how YouTube um, describes it, or, but that's really what it is. Yeah. And I think the lion's share should be going back to the creators, not YouTube. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And there should be a, a, a plan like that, kind of like it is now, but the lion's share goes back to the creators, or a pay-to-play thing um, yeah. where you – pay YouTube a monthly subscription to rent space on their platform. And then you get all your revenue. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a lot less money for YouTube and a lot more for the creators. Oh yeah. Yep. And And uh, what it would also do is a system like that would uh, like decipher between people. Like there's so many people that just have a YouTube channel. They put one stupid video expecting not to get any views. Right. And that's why they ended up putting this threshold in place of you have to have this many watch minutes, uh, this many subscribers in order to be monetized because everyone was trying to monetize. And they, you know, I could start five YouTube channels and have one video on each. And the video is like my dog napping for two minutes. 
I could upload and then try to monetize all five of those channels, right? Whereas if it were something like, okay, if I want to do a channel, it's going to cost me, it's like web hosting service, right? It's going to be 20 bucks a month, 40 bucks a month to host, uh, you know, and it, it could be certain because obviously if you're getting a million downloads, they have to dedicate a lot more of their network to serving your channel, right? And so it could be a threshold, you know, uh, if you're under like 100,000 subscribers, it's $20 a month. And that's it's whether you have one subscriber or no subscribers. I think it would uh, it would do a better job and, and YouTube wouldn't have to work out ways to filter uh, fluff, dumb stuff that nobody will ever watch. And actually, you know, they they know, okay, well, this guy's got a, you know, this guy's getting a lot of views, right? He's paying and I don't know, it'd be an interesting system. And I guarantee the content creators would make a lot more money. Yeah, and but but then YouTube and its peeps uh, in the Google, under the Google umbrella couldn't use it as their, you know, social media uh, narrative controlling platform. Yeah, for their political ends, which it is now. Uh, in some degree. Yeah. You know, that's why, you, oh, we don't like guns. we got to get rid of guns. People yeah. kill people. Evil yeah. people kill people. People who commit crimes kill people. Yeah. Uh, you know, they should just make no it No one wants to, to hear it. Everybody people. thinks it's stupid, but it doesn't make the people who suffered come back to life. More people were killed with hammers in 2019 than with guns. Yeah. Worldwide. So, um, you know, stick that in your pipe and smoke it, people. Yeah. Uh, and I just heard some guy last night, a gun guy talking about women. Oh, women don't kill. Y- y- what? <laughs> Almost 50% of the uh, cases I assisted with, either on prosecution or defense, were women. Huh. It, they just don't get a lot of press because a lot of times women are killing abusers yeah you know a lot of times not but a lot of times they're killing abusers so there's not a lot of sympathy for the victim yeah you know in fact we had to take some uh ethical action against a judge in a uh domestic abuse case where the guy was going to get off again and the judge just at the end made the comment looking at the victim saying you know Ma'am, I feel really sorry for you. You know, you need to drop this loser, but, you know, maybe the next time I see you, we'll be in his murder case. Hmm. And, and literally, the judge said that. Really? Wow. You're, 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 you know, suggesting she kill her abuser? Good for you, but let's not do it on the record. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. YouTube to murder. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's got to be a segue record. You know, and then and then right back to right back to the YouTube stuff. This is the one thing I don't get. Um, so it's all this whole big thing. You know, you know, back in the days when the West was being settled and they're building the railway, the government had the, there's a, a term for it, the railway monopoly law, and it was kind of set up so that you know, as the railway goes along, all the workers are there. They would set up this town to service the building of the railway, and Essentially, what the railroads the companies were doing is they'd have a monopoly because everybody there worked for them. They owned 
the stores there, the restaurants there, and all the supplies were brought on their railway. And so they had a monopoly and they would just, they, they make it so that those people would never get ahead and they couldn't shop anywhere else. And so there was laws brought in and, and people wonder like, why hasn't that been put on, on Amazon yet? Um, and these different companies. But what I don't understand is like, so you got all these different social media platforms. You got YouTube, Instagram. Now we've got TikTok. Uh, what was that? Snapchat used to be a thing. And I've, I've got Instagram and I have a Facebook and YouTube. That's it. Like all these new ones, never going to give them a shot. I really don't care. But it's funny because a new one will come out and then the other ones want to compete with it. And like, so YouTube is, everybody's trying these YouTube shorts, right? Like less than a minute things because they're trying to compete with, I don't know, but maybe TikTok. like they're... TikTok. Yeah. And then, you know, when Snapchat came out, that's when Instagram stories came out and they changed the way you can do stories. And, and then now, you know, they say that Instagram, if you cross post from TikTok to Instagram, they're trying to figure out ways where they can stop that and cancel it out. And it's just. It's funny, like TikTok comes out and then also Instagram will try to change to be like TikTok. And then even with Instagram and their IGTV, because, you know, it used to be IGTV, they could only be videos in the vertical format, like you'd normally hold your phone and it wasn't working. Nobody's watching these and nobody's recording. Like if I'm going to make a video and say I wanted to put it in two places, I'm not going to film vertically. Even though my camera is like a lot of the cameras I have now, I don't have to rotate. I can just put the camera up there and it knows that it's filming this way for something like IGTV. But, you know, and then that wasn't working. So all of a sudden they switch it. So I could put a video on YouTube and a video on Instagram. And now Instagram's totally set up that it's, yep, there you go. I mean, I can't monetize it on Instagram unless I get sponsorships. But it's funny. It's like, why doesn't YouTube just focus on being YouTube? Like, what is it that makes YouTube unique? And what it... It's the fact that there's long format videos there. People aren't going to YouTube to watch a one minute clip. It just doesn't work like that. Right. And it is so annoying. Like you got a, let's say you have a, you subscribe to, uh, who cares how many channels you got one or two that are your favorites. Yeah. Right. And let's say Jeremy hasn't posted in five weeks. Boom. I get a notification. Jeremy just posted a video. You go and it's only 33 seconds long. You're going to get really mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, uh, you know, the one thing I do like what, what YouTube did was bring in the community tab where you could, like, I could actually put a short video and it wouldn't show up in the video feed, but just, or maybe it would, I don't know, but you know, I could do polls and I could post an image and a little con, you know, say, Hey, uh, this week's video, we're making this knife and put a video of it or a photo of it in progress. It kind of is more of a dialogue. Right. And I, I like that. And sometimes if I, I've put a couple of videos in there before where it's just super short and it's like, boom, right there. But it's, you know, if you go to your main video library, it's not going to show up there, but it's just so weird. It's, it's like, okay, what, what makes YouTube great? Focus on that because that isn't going away. You know what? There's a place for all these things. And it just drives me nuts how one platform completely reinvents itself. As soon as somebody else comes out, that's becoming popular. You know what I mean? And one thing I notice is a lot of, not all, not, but I'm painting a broad brushstroke. I understand that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know this because, you know, I have one video on my YouTube channel. I have a lot ready to go. I just, you know, scared to put them up. Put them up, uh, Todd, put them up. But, but 
I don't know that I, I, what I hear is YouTube, you know, has a lot of ideas and they make a lot of suggestions out to their creators that fit certain parameters, right? Oh, maybe you should try this. Maybe you should try that. Blah, 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 blah. And with these shorts, I noticed a lot of really successful, more than 500,000, more than a million subscribers. They do, they could care less what YouTube tells them to do Yeah, most of the time. You know, they stay within the parameters of the uh, rules. But when they say, oh, this is how you should make a video. Oh, you should make shorts. They just, no. Mm-hmm. I got a formula. Go away. But people under 100,000 that are really fighting in that because there's so many creators in that 50 to 100,000 range, um, those are the people that just do everything YouTube suggests. Oh, and it just, your your channels start to look um, bipolar. Yeah. And then you, you'll notice that you either stall or you start losing. Learn a lesson, people. You, you got zero to 60,000 doing a, a certain way, yeah. a certain method. Your videos will be more polished, obviously, because you're getting better at it, but you have a formula. You have a theme. Stick with it. You'll grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Uh, the Casey's and the Matt's are rare. Yeah. You know, getting over 10 million, getting to 10 million, rare. Yeah. Getting to a million, eh, not so much now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I would hate, I don't think I would ever do it, you know, because I think it's cheating and lying, but people that buy subscribers really annoy me. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I, I remember when I got my 100,000 subscriber plaque from YouTube, and I got the old one, which is cool. Um, but I remember when I got it, I was, like, looking into it, and I, I forget how many. I forget. There's several hundred thousand YouTube channels that have over 100,000 subscribers. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so this isn't very cool. Uh, oh, I've never mentioned this. Um so this is kind of related. I was looking at, uh, you know, on my a motorbike, when I, when I go to the city, I'm always looking for a different back road to take. And there's some really interesting roads. I found some roads that are just two track and, you know, just two tracks, grass growing up or in the middle. And it's actually a road. There's a stop sign. And I'm like, wow. When I look on Google earth and I look on maps and it's a legit road. So I'm, I'm trying to find all these cool places that I would never take a car and I'm, I'm going on my bike. And then I was, I was, going to town and I like to, what I'd like to do is look at the map and then go from memory. Right. And it's, I don't know, maybe a 30 mile trip, but if you got like three or four different range roads to cross and one's range road, two fifty five, one's two thirty four, it's kind of a fun game to play with myself. And I think the last thing you'll ever see on my motorbike is a bloody cell phone sitting there. <laughs> Cause that is not what motorbikes are about to me. But anyways, I'm looking at this place and I see this little map on Google maps. I see this little dot and it's just a, like, it looks like a farm. And it was like RC Studios. I'm like, what the heck is RC Studios? I'm thinking it's some weird, you know, everybody's a photographer, right? And so I look into it. It's a it's a radio-controlled YouTube channel. It's about 10 kilometers from my house. Just, it's basically in the exact same road I'm on. And he's got like 3 million subscribers. 
<laughs> I'm like, what? This is crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's funny because it's like, oh, I, sometimes I'm like, I wonder how, you know, you meet people. It's like, oh, YouTube channel. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. What is it? And you talk and you don't say how big you are or anything. And then I look at their YouTube channel. It's like, oh, you've got 70 subscribers. And then they'll look at mine and see that I had 40,000 at that time or whatever, right? And so it's like, oh, you know, you meet pe people like in the grocery store. It's like, oh, you're a simple in life. I will love your videos. It's, you know, and I'm like, oh, maybe I have the biggest channel in Strathmore. Nope, I don't. <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's so funny. It's, and I don't know. And, and, and the thing is like the reason to do YouTube, I, I love doing YouTube, but man, I, I got so misconstrued. I, I think with my channel at the end, like it was, it was a weird funky time and it's, it put my channel to where it is now. Like it's, it's pretty much a rock bottom, my simple life channel. And for like the last two years, I have not liked it. I've not wanted to do it. And it was a combination of our, our builder who tried to just take us through the ringer. And we went through so much with him and he tried to screw us over up one side, down the other. And so when you're going through that, it's, it's hard, but then also you just kind of get focused on the, Oh, got to get the views, got to get the views. And then I, you know, I did a collaboration with Alex Steele and there's some stuff on the back end of that, like the, the personal stuff that left a, not a good taste in my mouth, but you know, it's like, oh, I gotta, and you just get so obsessed with it. And that, that wasn't why I started making YouTube videos. You know, I started making YouTube videos because it was fun. There's things I wanted to talk about. And, and so that's why I started my second channel, because anytime I did something that was like would veer away, I could look at the analytics <clears throat> and it tell me, oh, you lost, you know, 250 subscribers on this video. So 250 people watched this video and said, yeah, I'm done with this guy. And so it gets demoralizing, right? And so it's it's like I want a channel where I don't care about numbers. And I don't. Like on my other channel, I just make a video and I don't look at analytics. I'm like, don't care. You can watch it or not. I don't care how this video ranks to my other videos. I can do different style of videos. And it's fun that way. And I, I think that's like, you know, you're, it kind of reminds me where you're talking about the people that have their formula. And they're not just jumping on the... The shorts, you know, one thing I think would be fun to do is to make a really long video and then hashtag it with shorts <laughs> or, or every one of my videos put shorts because that's how I think that little hashtag they use is kind of how YouTube kind of finds them and, and organizes them. That's that's what I heard somebody say when they're talking about them when they came out. But Andrew Camarada should do his like hour and 45 minute videos, hashtag them shorts. <laughs> <laughs> no, hashtag long pants. Yeah. 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 He's hashtag one of those. Hashtag slacks. Yeah. He's one of those GoPro, oh, you know. Yeah. The thing is, like, as as much as the, he's got weird things about him, I like his channel and I, you do too. Is that correct? Yes. The reason we like it, and I'll think I can speak for both of us, is because of what he's doing, right? It's kind of fascinating and it's. I relate to what he does because he's using tools to fix things. You know, I can tell by the way he's working. I don't think he's ever been a tradesperson because um, some of the stuff he does is just like, man, you're dumb. You really don't know how to use that tool. But then at the same time, I'm like, his his attitude, his approach is like, I just have to get this done. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not coming to you like some, you know, lofty uh, journeyman of 40 years. He's like, I just got to get this done. And it's interesting, you know, and his video footage is, I know he gets carried away with the drone footage and all that other stuff that should be B-roll, not the main role, but, you know, puts a GoPro on a tripod and works and you can see what he's doing. 
And that's why it's interesting. And, you know, the, the cinematic hoo-ha and all this and, and the formulas that YouTube says you have to do this, you have to do that. Nope. He's just going to do what he's going to do. You know, I heard him talk about why he started YouTube and he said it's because he just wanted to do time-lapse videos and put them on the internet. You know, that's all he was going to do. And they got popular and he's like, oh, cool. But And he wanted a record of all of the jobs he did. Yeah. Because um, he links some of them on his business website. Mm. So potential customers can go see him, you know, doing whatever. Yeah. The thing I'm most jealous about that guy, I'm not jealous of him at all, but man, I wish I could justify all his equipment. Like, obviously, it makes perfect sense for him to have all those toys. Well, they're not toys, they're tools, but he's, he's got a dump truck. It's like, oh, man, can you imagine how handy it would be to have a dump truck and multiple bobcats, multiple backhoes? You got your own scissor lift, like cranes, you name it, man. That guy's got it set. That guy's like, man, he's got figured out. He's close to my definition of self, self-sufficiency. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's not well, a lot he can't do for himself. I watch him and I I think to myself, how? How do you afford this stuff? Yeah. With how you work. You know, how does anybody hire you? But he gets it that done. goes into some of the, you know, shenanigans for YouTube probably aren't shenanigans for work. Yeah. And the other thing too is that, you know, for his age there's not a lot of people hit that generation that actually work hard. You know what I mean? So you think, you know, you hire a contractor to do some excavating or, or some landscape work, right? Oh, we want to rebuild this bridge on our driveway. Well, you could hire a really nice company that has, you know, good letterhead font and a nice, very palatable logo and their trucks are new and they're all the same and they all wear the same clothes and they look very professional my word, they're not going to do any work. Like, like most, most kids these days just don't work. They're going to sit around on their phones, the job, you know, they're not going to show up. Um, like, like anytime you try and hire somebody to do anything, good luck these days. Right. Whereas you look at him and he's like, Oh, I got a job. And he just goes there and does the job. You know, he might not be wearing a shirt (laughs) if it's hot out, but he's just going to work. And I think, you know, I, I think his business is probably wildly successful because you know, if you call Andrew and tell him to come here, he's going to be here and he's going to do the job and then he's going to leave. That's rare these days. You know, the world's well, oh, it's yeah. like like the world's so soft and man, this the workforce. So my my boys work for my dad, and um, I don't know where I got if my dad actually told me this or not, but I always think that my job as a father, uh, first of all, like is is to lead my children to Christ. Right, that's my number one obligation. My second obligation is to teach them how to work. You know, if my sons don't work hard and if they're not known as hard workers, I feel like I've failed as a dad. And I know it sounds weird. A lot of people are like, oh, no, you got to be friends with your kids. You got to teach them how to blah, blah. No, you know what? If, if you can teach a kid to work hard, that work could look like anything. It could be the school work they're doing. It could be university. It could be their first job waiting tables or it you know, once they get their whatever degree, if they go to university and they get a job, they're going to work hard. That is the number one thing you can do to assure success in life is work hard. And that's a parent's job to teach it. And no, no parents teach that anymore. You know, like I've got neighbors all around here 
and they all have adult children, and none of them mow the lawns. You know, for my boys, it takes them about, we kind of split the lawn up. There's a part where you have to do by hand, like over our mound, our septic mound. And it takes them about three hours on a Saturday. And they do that. In exchange for that, I buy all the gas for their dirt bikes. And that's not cheap. I mean, I fill up these things where I think premium's at like a dollar eighty a liter or something. Like eight, nine bucks a gallon. <laughs> you know? And so I don't know, it probably cost they probably spend thirty to fifty bucks a week in fuel. And I'm like, you know what? I'll buy all your gas for your dirt bikes. I'll make sure you have it. Because, you know, if you run out, you can't run to the store. But I'll make sure these are always topped up. And you guys have to mow the lawn. And that's just the deal. And you know what? They go work for my dad. And my dad's friends will be there. And they're like, hey, what do they do next weekend? He's like, why? He's like, I need them. I got to dig some holes. He's like, well, the guy that asked him that, he has a hired hand full time. And this hired hand, I've met the kid. He uh, ran into our vehicle. <laughs> But um, he's, I think, 26, 27. And my boys worked with him last year, and he was working for my dad. And they said as soon as my dad was gone, he was on his phone. He'd literally sit on his butt on his phone. And then my two boys, uh, 15 and, and 13 at the time, were working the pants off this kid who's like 25 years old. And now his boss is trying to hire my sons to do weekend work because he wants it done. And I'm like, you know what? The, teaching my kids to work... They are going to have such an advantage over everybody else their age, you know, because that's not, yeah. exa- and, and I think that's probably, you know, wondering how he can afford that. I bet that's how Andrew can afford that. You know, if you've got a good reputation and look at it, what is his living expenses? He, you know, he spends only the money he wants to. So it's not like he's got dependents. He's not married, I don't think, right? No. So it's like, and he doesn't drive fancy vehicles. You know, oh God, no! <laughs> he fixes everything himself. It's it's amazing how, uh, you know, you, you do your own repairs if you don't care about vehicles you drive. Like I, well, man, it. I guess his main gig now, and I can be wrong, but uh, doing a lot, a lot of snow removal in the winter for rich people. Mm-hmm. You know, good clientele. That's who you want. Oh yeah, get a hundred and fifty <clears throat> contracts on that every winter. Yeah. You know, for rich people, uh, Airbnb people. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know, my it's uh, my dad always said, I may have said it here before, but he said, I don't care what you do for a living. It, if you're good at it, it's interesting to watch them and you'll be successful. You know, if, if you see somebody who's really good at collecting pop cans, they would be interesting to watch how they work. You know, because people that are good at what they do are so rare. <laughs> you know, it seems like the world is full of mediocre employees. <laughs> you know, well, everywhere you go. As somebody who's super, well, you have too, but as somebody who's supervised uh, a lot of people at one time, uh, and the last time I supervised was in the federal government. So you're talking about 80% of the workforce is just trying their hardest to get out of work. Every second they're at work. <laughs> it, how we get anything done is beyond me. But because yeah. you know, America, you want to save money. You know, you could literally fire fifty percent of the federal government and never see any change whatsoever. That's funny. And I'm not joking. Yeah, uh, there was oh, uh, Office of Management and Budget did a study. 
And then when they found the result, you know, when they boiled the study down into results, they decided, oh, we're not going to publish this. It is just um, laughably sad. Wow. And one of the things they found was overall, about 50% of the federal government could be downsized without seeing any results whatsoever. Wow. Uh, you know, without changing any kind of productivity. And that includes getting rid of about four agencies completely, utterly deleting mm. the agency, and you never see anything. Mm. It, it wouldn't change the way the federal government operates or the services it provides one iota. That's crazy. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, we had uh, some of these guys that, that you hire locally. Um, when he used to supervise stuff, uh, there's one guy we had in uh, Baltimore. I, he's a nice guy, but he's so lazy. Big dude, like bigger than me, like taller than me, looked like a football player in college, like big guy. And uh, man, give him something to do. And yeah, yeah, and he'd start it and then come back and it wasn't done. And he was supposed to be a skilled laborer. And uh, I would give him, I'd say, okay, at the end of the night, it's like, I just need you to sweep the whole floor. And he'd have an hour to do it, right? This, not, not a huge floor, but he'd come back. And he, he pushed the broom, like, literally three feet. I was like, why isn't this swept? It's to the point where I was getting frustrated. Why isn't this swept? And he was older than me. Like, oh, you know, he came over, he had a problem with this, and then oh, I had to help him out with this and this. I said, that wasn't your job. Your job was to sweep the floor. And I told him, I said, if you worked half as hard actually doing work as you do it getting out of work, you'd be a multimillionaire right now. Because I've never seen anybody work as hard at you, as hard as you, as trying not to work. I said, you put so much effort into not working, it's exhausting. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and he just looked at me and I said, I think, I think we're done now. And I got rid of him that night and he was all mad at me. And, and his buddy worked with her too. It kind of woke his buddy up and he really, really worked a lot harder after that. <laughs> But well, my one of my employees that really, really, really succeeded started off that way um, at the entry level level. And she had been there for a couple of years. And no matter how lazy somebody is, you can see whether or not they have promise. Yeah. If they have the ability, you know, maybe you look at it and you're like, you know, your parents should have smothered you in your sleep. And you look at some <laughs> people and go, we can make something out of this. Yeah. You know, this is Plato here. Let's let's mold this. And I had a very short conversation with her one day and 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 it was pretty much exactly what you said, exactly what a lot of other people say to their employees. If you just put half the effort into working as making it look like you're working but you're really not, you'd be me. You know, you'd be yeah. the supervisor, and blah, 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 blah. do me a favor. Um, today's Monday. For the rest of this week, until lunchtime on Friday, do your hardest at work. Okay? Yeah. I'm not going to give you anything extra, just your normal workload. And just do your best at your work, and we'll see where you're at Friday at lunchtime. And if, you know... See if I'm right or you're right. And she's like, well, what's the, you know, what's in it for me? I said, I'll give you a hundred bucks. <laughs> what's in it for me to, to do my job? Completely illegal. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Yeah. And I'll take you to lunch. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay. 
and she did it. Now, again, this is sometime Monday, you know, after the morning, right? And they only gave her her normal workload. Mm -hmm. Wednesday morning, about 1030, she comes up and she says, I'm out of work. Oh, wow. Oh, are you now? Yeah. Well, I guess you'll have an interesting, you know, Wednesday afternoon, all day Thursday and Friday till lunch, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Bored out of your mind. Yeah. And she's like, well, can I have some more work? Sure. You know, and then I gave her like next level work. Yeah. And then she was able to do that. And at the end of that fiscal year, we, I did what I needed to do. I got her a promotion, same job, just more money. And, uh, by the time I left there, she was just one rank behind me. Oh, wow. So, you know, now I think now she is what I used to do. So, hmm. uh, and every year, about once a year, while I still had uh, my old email address, I'd get, you know, a thank you from her every mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Just, oh, my God, thank you for, you know. The that's what bucks. we're supposed to do as supervisors. Yeah. Yeah, bring the, We're supposed bring the to best. be stewards of the future. Yeah, and pull the potential out of people. Yeah, I want to train my replacement because I want to either move on and make more money or, you know, sit back with my feet up. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. That's crazy. Um, and, and it's weird how, it's really weird how people just get away with lackluster performance, you know? Like, just it's it's normal, just can't get rid of them. I remember we were doing a job in Santiago, Chile. We are doing the entire airport, and I was the project manager. And so uh, I had to go down there, like, for about a week to measure up the site and meet all the people. And we're using – it was, like, an, a consultant firm. Uh, this guy's dad who did – I forget his name's Matias. But his dad was kind of like an aviation legend in, in Chile. He was the first pilot to land on Easter Island. And uh, really interesting story and stuff. And his dad started the company. He took it over. His dad had passed away. And so we went to their office. And they were were actually a decent company to work with. They weren't like, they weren't, they didn't seem like over, you know, top heavy. Like not too many people. Uh, They were efficient. You know, if you you sent an email, you you knew who to ask and they would give you the answer. So they're great to work with in that way. But I remember we went to their office in Santiago first day I had to meet everybody and of, of course it's that culture where you kiss everyone so you literally they have this huge open room and all the desks are against the wall and there's nothing in the middle and so like you literally walk around the room and you give the, the cheek kiss to like 20 people 30 people and as I was doing this I looked at all their computers and every single one was just fully on Facebook <laughs> like there's no no other windows visible it was Facebook was open Every single computer. And and when we walked in, they were all facing their computers. This wasn't break time, right? It's not like, he said, hey, we'd like to introduce Jeremy. He's going to be here. And then I had our engineer with us there too. And I was walking around there. I thought, how on earth do they get anything done? But they, they did. But I was like, this is crazy. And it was funny because it's not like they'll have their own cubicles where they can hide it. Like nobody was hiding it. They just stand up and their computer is right there for the whole world to see. And it's on Facebook. And of course, they all, when we left there, like sat down and I walked away. A couple of them had tried to add me as friends on Facebook, <laughs> like within 10 minutes. I'm like, wow, this is great. But that no, was so crazy. And, and you know, the Dairy Queen here, you guys have Dairy Queen in the States? You do, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
so the Dairy Queen here, the supervisor, I think she's brilliant. She has, you know, those hanging shoe storage things that are, you know, you hang them up in your closet and they got little pockets where you can hang shoes. Yeah. She has one of those. And it's kind of just behind the counter where everyone can see it. And every employee, when they start their shift, has to put their phone there. And she makes them put screen to the wall. So they can't see notifications. And if you touch your phone, it used to be like, I've heard people that work there say, if you touch your phone on shift, she'll fire you. I'm like, that is a brilliant thing. When you get your break, you can take your phone, go sit down. And I'm like, that is such a smart idea. You know, Steph was trying to buy shoes the other day at a sport check. And she needed a different size. And this girl walks by, she works at sport check. She has a uniform. She's on staring at her phone, walking through the shoe area. And Steph goes, excuse me. She goes, uh, I'm just busy right now and kept walking. And she walked to the front of the store and they had one person there as a greeter. And she's like waiting and waiting. Steph waited for 10 minutes. And so finally she went and there's a supervisor walking by. She goes, excuse me, can I get somebody to help me with some shoes? And she goes, oh, was there nobody here to help you? I said, well, yeah, this girl walked by on her phone. And now she's just standing at the front door on her phone. And so the supervisor went up to that girl and told her to come over and she was so mad and she goes what do you want and just like unbelievable like literally that is the workforce of today <laughs> you know oh man it's a you it's know probably I, always been I that absolutely way, but... agree with that dairy queen manager yeah however if i worked there and she made me do that with my phone i would come to work one day when the volume completely turned up the most horrific ringtone I could find and I'd have somebody you know that doesn't work there hey at one o'clock when we're the busiest just start calling me one <laughs> after another at, and that ringtone just going off you know. yeah a cat screaming <laughs> no I mean something horrific yeah. You, know? you know yeah like when my uh the gun store I had back in Maryland anytime they would call me uh my ringtone was "Bitch, better have my money." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's funny. Yeah, and when I would call them, uh, all they would hear, like, I w- I was at the store one day and I and I was telling them what the ringtone was and they were laughing, They're like, "What well, you want to know what yours is?" <laughs> the manager of the store on his personal cell phone when I would call him. Uh, it would just say, asshole calling, asshole calling. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Where did you get that? That's funny. Do you know what I did? You know what I did? Speaking of phone calls and stuff, like, like to me, it's the most interrupting thing when you're in the middle of something and somebody phones you, right? I didn't know this. I just found out, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks ago on, on the Apple, you can silence calls that aren't in your contacts. Yeah. And so, like, man, I, I don't know if it's, it seems to be on the rise, these stupid, spammy phone calls, right? People call, hey, this is the IRS. Like, literally, they'll tell me, this is the IRS, you're going to jail, call me right now. And it's like, uh, okay, first of all, dude, I, I don't know, I don't deal with the IRS, I'm not an American. And second of all, I'm pretty sure it sounds like you're in the back of a taxi and you're yelling loudly because the traffic around <laughs> you is so loud. So I don't think this is how the IRS conducts business. Like, uh, my dad gets them like three or four times a day, and he'll be working, and he stops answering it, and he just gets so mad. He goes, you want to buy chicken? I'm going to sell you a chicken. And he just drives them nuts, and then he'll call them back. And I'm like, Dad, this is literally, it, it interrupts your workflow, and it makes you unproductive. I said, so what I do is that every 
call that's not if they're in my contact. So anybody I do business with regularly, that it'll ring, right? Or you can set it like, oh, only immediate family will ring. But man, these spam people call, and I'll look down, and there's like three notifications. I'm starting to get phone calls from they're not even numbers. They're like it'll be like three weird letters, right? Like blah blah blah, blah. and and now I'm starting to get these spam texts. Hey, we have a package, dear Jeremy, and it's weird because they have my name, dear Jeremy. We have a package delivery for you. Click this link to track it, and it's like, uh, and I asked my wife, do we have stuff coming? Yeah, we do. Um, what? Who is it? I'm like, oh, I said we have all the tracking numbers we need. Yep. I was like, okay, just delete this text before I click that link. But it's so nice because calls are sil- silenced, you know. So I have it that when I'm working, the only call that rings through is Steph and the kids' phone, because if I'm in the middle of making a knife, I don't want my phone to ring. And so it doesn't, it doesn't even show up. But next time I open my phone, it'll say, you know, I had a silenced call from my parents. So it's like, okay, cool. Now that I'm in a position and I'm ready and it's not going to interrupt my objective for the day, I'm going to call these people back. I'm going to take care of business that I need to take care of on my own time. Oh, I love it. It is so slick. And then these, you, you know, you look at your phones like, oh, that's a spam. That's a spam. That's a spam. Don't know that number. They didn't leave a message. So it's not important, you know? <laughs> But my thing in life is that if you want to call me on the phone, you can't. <laughs> I, I hate phone calls. I got three um, angry women uh, and one guy uh, from the same alleged area in Maryland where we used to live about a uh, car warranty I never had. Oh, wow. And if I don't call them back right now, they're just going to expire it. Yeah. Well, you, one day I answered the phone. Because uh, it came up uh, very close to somebody else's phone, a real phone number. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was them. I answered it. And it was this car warranty BS. And it was the woman, and she started on it about very angrily saying, you haven't called us back, and we're going to blow. What car is it? Well, your car. No, I have four. Which one is it? Yeah. Well, well it, it's the one you have car warranty on. Yeah, all four. Which one? Yeah. Which one is it? And then I just started getting abusive, using horrific language that a serial killer wouldn't use. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, they wouldn't because they'd have to be really charming, which you know I'll never be a serial killer because charming ain't in my DNA. But yeah. uh, I, I'm, I was just dropping bombs that would make uh, <laughs> the devil blush. And this woman... She just kept saying, it's about your car warranty. And I swear she was crying when I hung up. I'm like, good for you. That's funny. You're doing something. You are breaking the law, so the rules are off the table. Yeah. I'm going to do whatever I want. Yeah. And then for a while, I was answering the phone, regardless of who was calling. I wouldn't even look. I would answer the phone like this. No one here has a student loan, a car warranty, nor do we need life insurance. What else you got? (laughs) Um, hi, it's uh, Danette's mom. Oh, hey, mom, how you doing? <laughs> That's funny. Do you want a pizza? That's funny. Oh, one time it was my doctor, one of my doctors, <laughs> and they were laughing. Uh, oh, my God, I'm about to start using that. Does it work? Every time. They don't know what to do and they just hang out. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, and the... Uh, I got a call from alleged FedEx, but they kept calling it uh, 
whoever it was had a speech impediment, and they were saying Federal Express. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, and then they were trying to get me to give them money to ship this package because it was stuck. It had gone as far as the sender's money could send it. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay, no, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense whatsoever because, you know, you're going to collect the money point A to point B at point A. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I <laughs> they were giving me some fraudulent uh, tracking number. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's one too many numbers for a Federal Express package number. Uh, just drop the last one. Yeah. Okay, what? <laughs> you gave me the number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I would just either playing dumb or getting abusive, go back to playing dumb real quick. And then, why are you calling again? Yeah. Who is this? That's right. And then finally they just got angry and hung up. Yeah. After about 30 minutes. It was so funny. That's funny. And then you call them right back, and obviously it's, since it's a, they program fake numbers into their robocall system, you can't really call them back. Yeah, that's the worst. You just want to call them back and give them the fritz some more. It's like, hey, I'm not done with you. <laughs> I was figuring. Oh, if, way if back you... in the day, uh, when the, you, they were calling from call centers, uh, back when we had, you know, push button landlines on the desk. Yeah. Oh, I did call some. I did that star sixty nine to get them back. Yeah. And oh, I just just unleashing on them. They'd hang up. I call them back. Yeah. I became their. Robocaller. I had a guy. Uh, so this happened to uh, the company was like harassing me like and it was fraudulent. And I did the same thing. And, and you couldn't do it anymore because it's all digitally squirrely birded. I kept calling him. I did the exact same thing. And finally I'd call him and it was just one guy's headset. Like literally I'd get the same guy. And I'd call him back, like, hey, would you like to buy some rice? I'm going to sell some rice today. I want to buy some because he was calling me and just trying to sell me stuff all the time. Right. Like. And I said, and he says, stop calling me. I said, no, no, I'm not done. He said, you know what? I've got nothing to do all weekend long. I'm going to call you all the time. And he ended up getting a supervisor and his supervisor got on the phone and said, you stop calling me. I said, no, I've got nothing to do all weekend. I'm going to call you all the time. He's never going to make one successful phone call for you. And I would just go off and I was talking really fast. And he says, I'm going to call the police. I said, good. I said, that will Please. solve my problem. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you're literally trying to scam me out of money. And now I'm giving you the fritz and there's no recourse. You can't do anything to me. You know, it's, it's not like you got my email address or, you know. Like robbing a drug dealer. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, it was so fun. I just sat on my couch and I, I called for, it probably took about an hour and 20 minutes of me calling. And I was literally, I remember where it was when we lived in uh, Hillview. And uh, we didn't have any kids. It was Saturday. I just laid down on my couch and I called this guy, called this guy, called this guy. And supervisor says, we're going to call the police. I said, please do so. <laughs> I said, because what you're doing is illegal. You're trying to steal my money. So I would love it. It would save me the hassle of calling the cops. And I kept calling and kept calling, <laughs> kept calling. Oh, man. It got so. And it was probably hell a half hour of me calling. And then he would just lift up the receiver and hold it down, lift up, pull down. But they never, ever called me back after that day. <laughs> it was so fun. Please stop calling me. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, you called me. Uh, you know, you, I, uh, you, you poked the bear, son. <laughs> I got, uh, and uh, a call from an Indian call center. Uh, back in the day of uh, uh, like AT and T prepaid calling card scams. Oh yeah. All right, so I got an Indian uh, female uh, calling from an Indian, obviously an Indian call center, and. 
I started asking her horrific personal questions. Yeah. That's as far as I'll go with that. And she did start crying, and then some guy got on the phone. <laughs> you're calling America, cussing me all you want to in Indian. I don't know what you're yeah. saying. You yes, that's right. That's right. I love when you just dish it back to them. You know, it's like, oh, when you're committing a crime. Yeah. You know, I understand there are some people that, you know, this is their only means of making money. Still committing a crime. Yeah. So I don't have any hard feelings. I don't have any sympathy. I'm just going to just give it to you. Don't yeah. care. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Like, it's kind of here. It's starting to happen a lot more. Like, it, it feels like we've gone third world in a lot of places. Um, First of all, we have beggars at in the city at every big intersection. There's people out walking up and down asking for money. Uh, but more annoying than that is... um. At, at car washes, they've got people that'll come try and sell you stuff. No, no, at gas stations. So you pull up to fill up your gas, and it's like, hey, we got this new product for cleaning the bugs. Would you like? I was like, no. Like, okay, I expect that in Mexico, right? That's how it is. We have never been to this point. Why, why are you doing this to me? And so I'm at the point now, if they keep bugging me, I'm just going to, maybe I'll just take a dozen eggs and put them in the back of my car and when they come up and be like, hey, would you like to buy this new uh, headlight cleaner? Be like, can you buy, would you like to buy some eggs? Well, you want to buy some eggs? And I'll just say, you want to buy some eggs? And I'll be like, it's really annoying, isn't it? Like I literally came here just for gas. And in the, this culture, that that this Western culture we live in, we don't do this. We don't. There's some cultures and where this is how it works. We're not that culture. So do you just stand here begging all day? <clears throat> well, yeah. Well, then you could work. Just standing here all day with a sandwich sign. Yeah. You know, advertising for the mattress store over there. Exactly. Get off your lazy blankety blank and go get a job. Yeah. Piece of garbage. Yeah. I will not give a beggar money. No. Now, if I see a obvious veteran that's homeless laying there not begging, I'll slip some money in a pocket, you know. Yeah. Like a shirt pocket. Trying not to touch them, but. Yeah. You know, like I, I, when we go to a grocery store, they always have these $10 bags for the food bank. And I do that every time I go there because I'm like, you know what? I, the people, I'm not saying nobody, people have bad situations, right? Did I do anything, you know, to get myself to where I am today? I, I didn't make stupid decisions, but I can't take credit for the family I was born into. I can't take credit for being born into, you know, a middle-class family. That's not me. So, you know what I mean? So like, I'm not any better than anybody else. And there's some people that are literally born into terrible situations that are terrible to get out of, right? I'm not saying you yes. can't. I will attest to that. I was born into the poorest family I've ever met. Um, there were weeks I didn't eat but one time a week wow. growing up. Yeah. And that's not rare. That was a uh, usual occurrence. I'll try not to yell. Yeah. That was a very usual occurrence. We were poor. I didn't eat regularly. I had to wear hand-me-downs. And by the way, I had an older sister. <laughs> uh, and a brother, but come on. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've had to wear hand-me-downs from my sister at once, and then I've refused after that. There's only so many beatings you can take in one day. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah. So everything I got now, I took those lessons, and I don't want to be this poor. And I also don't want to be a criminal, so, you know, that only yeah. leaves hard work and dedication. So. Yeah. And, and I think I was born with a mental switch turned on at a very early age where I could very early, 
very early distinguished good from bad. Yeah. Good from evil, the right thing from the wrong thing. So when you saw somebody, you know, another poor kid shoplifting, you're like, yeah, that's not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, have I been so hungry that I shoplifted? Yes. But I actually didn't use it for myself. I gave it to somebody else in my family. Yeah. But just saying. Yeah. And, 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 and see, the thing is, like, for I, situations like that, that's why you need food banks. And that's why people yeah. need to give to help. But like you say, a bum on the street, it's like, dude, you're just going to go buy drugs or cigarettes or, or alcohol. You know? Yeah. Um, like I had told you before, the uh, the alleged homeless begging at the uh downtown in Cookville, Tennessee is at an all-time high. And you can see a group of four, five, six beggars at the intersections getting on and off the interstate. And the, every one of them are within a pebble's throw of six help-wanted signs. Oh, wow. They're desperate. They are paying higher than minimum wage for minimum wage jobs because they can't find enough people to work. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I'm about ready to go work at a gas station because <laughs> they're paying so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like free money. Yeah. Oh yeah, if you're, if you're paying more than fifteen dollars an hour for, would you like fries with that? Yeah, that's a disgusting statement on the laziness of the current society. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I um, don't want to get COVID, but you're begging at two hundred car windows every day. Screw you, liar! Go get yeah. a job. Yeah. You know, my first exposure to begging, like when I lived in, in Calgary as a kid, we didn't ever see that, right? That was only if you were like in the real bad part of town. And usually they weren't beggars. They were just bums sleeping on the street. But when we lived in Venezuela, I was 12 years old and there's these town beggars and they were, they're just the town drunks and they'd ask you for money and always, always ask you for money. And sometimes you'd see them and they'd be like yelling at a tree, just going off on this tree. And they weren't a threat to us. Like we could always run faster than them and, and nobody's really worried. But it was funny because they'd always beg my dad and my dad's like, I want to help him out. And so he went to the grocery store and he'd carry bread around in his backpack and they'd beg for money. He says, I need some food. And, uh, and so my dad would hand them bread and they'd grab the bread and they'd throw it on the ground. <laughs> it's like, okay, I think we've established what's really going on here. You know, and, and that's why it's like, I almost wish that you see a beggar on the streets like, hey, I need some help. It's like, listen, I've got I've got a little bag here. It's like some beans and some pasta or beans and rice. This will this will feed you for two days. Would you like this? You know, funniest thing. I got to wrap it up here soon, but this is hilarious. So we uh, we're back to being allowed to meet, at, at, go to church. Uh, zero restrictions whatsoever. It's so funny because just a month ago, nobody was allowed in there, like 10% capacity. And now all of a sudden everybody's in there without masks and blah, 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 blah. So we went to church last week, and uh, we're at the, going through the Tim Hortons drive-thru on the way home, and there was a bum just sitting there uh, at the drive-thru, and everybody was giving him money. And the guy in front of us, he was a plumber, he was in a van, you know, he's got the ladder on the top and the little tubes where they can put their piping and stuff. And uh, he reaches out and gave him a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> Started laughing so hard. I'm like, how do you think you're helping that dude? <laughs> you got any money? Nope, but here's a pack of smokes. <laughs> and then when we got up, he's sitting there smoking them. I'm like, oh man, you just, I think he thinks he's doing a good thing, but that's, that's not the best thing for that guy. 
that may be the easiest thing for that guy, but that's not the best thing for that guy. And I, I asked the kids, I said, do you think this guy really helped that guy improve his situation? Nah, he, he allowed him to maybe uh, sedate himself, numb his mind, take himself out of reality. But what that guy needs is to get into reality and look at a situation and be like, you know what? This sucks. This sucks. Am I able to do anything about this situation? And if so, I better get on it. Instead, he's like, nope. Oh, good. I got a pack of smokes. I'm going to choke these down today and hopefully I can get another one tomorrow. It was just funny. I started laughing so hard. <laughs> it's like seeing a drug. You see a crackhead here and giving him the drugs. Hey, could I have some money? No, here. I just got the weed, the drugs instead, you know? Ah, it's crazy. Yeah, I. <clears throat> there was one bum I used to give money to every once in a while only because he was honest. All the other bums lie to you. You know, my mom needs an operation. My dog, blah, 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 blah. This guy was like, I ruined my life. I huh. ran my wife away, my kids away. I lost my job. All I want to do is drink myself to death. All right, here you go. You're, yeah. you're honest. Yeah. You, you don't sugarcoat anything. You know. And I just, every time i do it, I'd, uh, you know, anytime I'd give them any money whatsoever, I'd also have a card from the church and say, please go to church. If you want money next week, go to church. Yeah. Just hoping that uh, he would actually go to church and God would open his eyes. Mm-hmm. And he did one day. He, you know, he started going to church. At least it was warm and someplace to, you know, stay out of the weather for an hour. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Well, that was an interesting one. I should probably wrap it up because I got to take off our early morning appointment. Well, it has been early. awesome again. It has. It's been very good. I like how we go from GoPros to uh, bums. Bums, yeah. It, it, wait a minute. That's the same thing. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, did you ever see bum fights? You hear about that? To who? Bum fights. Yes. Isn't that terrible? Yes. Oh, I remember that. And that kind of related to YouTube and what's allowed, what's not allowed. And then if anybody's never heard of it, these guys, it was in Las Vegas it started, would pay bums to fight each other, like fisticuffs. And he'd film it and then put it, and his stuff went viral. Anyways, that's crazy. Well, we thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Todd, as always, I really enjoyed talking with you. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be back at it next week. Absolutely. Thank you, folks, for listening. Um, Find us wherever you find us. Share it. Like it. 